All right, welcome back, everyone, to the Blue Brothers Sportscast. I'm Caleb, and with me, as always, is Brandon. A couple things I keep forgetting to say that I want to make mention. One is that uh, we are on multiple platforms right now, but SoundCloud is soon to probably go to the wayside. Uh, That is going to expire in a little while. Anchor is our new home channel. That's where things get released first, so if you want to catch it as soon as it releases, look for us there. Um, We appreciate everyone bearing with us during that transition, and we also appreciate you guys. Um, We know the advertisements are something new since we moved to Anchor. Uh, It's like 30 seconds every episode that actually we get a little benefit from, so that's always nice and helps us to put some money back into the podcast, which is actually the exact opposite of SoundCloud. SoundCloud, we actually were putting money into SoundCloud. Anyways... Um, the other couple things to mention real quick before we get started is that, uh, don't forget about our shirts on Redbubble. If you guys want to support the podcast and get something cool out of it, feel free to check our Redbubble store, uh, rock apparel. I don't know if there's any special link to that, but we tweet it out every once in a while. It's on our Facebook. You can look for that. And last thing of all is if you call to leave a voicemail, uh, if it's in uh, post-game or if it's for a preview for an upcoming game, we need that by Monday night, 9 p.m. Because uh, Monday nights are when we record our sports episodes. So bear that in mind. Uh, be on the lookout for that stuff. And did I miss anything, Brandon? Or I think that's it? No, I don't think so. I think the uh, the link for the Redbubble is redbubble.com backslash shop backslash rock apparel okay all right and brandon is our manager of the rock apparel store most of the stuff is his and he's been having great success with that so feel free to check that out uh but i think with that um we'll go ahead and just jump right on into things Well, when it's a Monday, you got to find something rock-worthy to be happy about. So we have a little fun there and share rock moment of the week. And uh, I'll have to say, and of course we'll talk about more later, um, but one thing that kind of shocked me almost was the, uh, we'll talk about the Lions game as a whole, but and Brandon and I were talking about this earlier today when Coleman uh, did that fantastic defensive play. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was it? Was it Sammy Watkins? Yeah, it was Sammy Watkins both times. Okay. Um, but the fantastic one, and I'm sure if anybody watched the game or is a Lions fan, was yeah, at least able to catch the highlight afterwards. Um, Sammy Watkins caught that ball uh, near the sideline. And instead of tackling or even touching him while he was on the ground, Coleman, I mean, I was saying to myself while I was watching, I was like, dude, just tackle him. Uh, Because I don't always trust the Lions' tackling abilities. But uh, Coleman very deliberately was just waiting for him to pop up enough to be off the ground. And he did the ever-infamous peanut punch and created a turnover for the Lions. And that that was... I think one of the smartest plays I've seen the Lions 
ever really pull off successfully where it looked deliberate. Yeah, that was one of the smartest plays I've seen in football in a while. Yeah. That he just kind of stood, waited for him to get up off his knees so he wouldn't be ruled down. Mm-hmm. And he, he must have been like, saw something on the tape or noticed something as the game went on that you know, Watkins was having some ball security issues. So yeah. he exploited that twice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that was like fantastic. I mean, that one, I mean, it's so crazy to think how quickly it happened, but he was ready for it. When you're sitting there and you watch it again, it's just like, okay, yeah, the ball's like sitting right there. It's coming up. There's a pretty good shot at it and everything. But Coleman was like in the moment and he, he was there with his fist ready just to pop that thing out. So that, that just kind of like blew my mind when he did that. I was like, oh, okay. All right. I won't be mad. But we go from one spectrum, uh, one end of the spectrum to the other, because then we go ahead and bring you Garbage Day! Brandon's favorite part of the episode. (laughs) Garbage Play of the Week. What do you got for us? Uh, Mine also comes from the Lions game. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, but I actually didn't see it until today, and I saw it on Twitter, and our friend Jason brought it to my attention. Um, uh, it was B. Jared Davis's walking blitz. There's a play where the Chiefs snap the ball, and Mahomes drops back to pass, and Jared Davis is just slowly walking to the line. <laughs> Before the play, he's like kind of calling out where the guys should go, and he's slowly walking up the line. The ball gets snapped, and he just like, like a leisurely stroll. It looked like something would be on Madden, like a glitch. And the second he reached the guard, the guard just like punched him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just like you know, quick pop, like shove, like right to the face, like upper chest. And that was all it was. Like it, he didn't speed up or anything. He didn't. Um, you know, all of a sudden, just dart to one side. He just slowly walked up the guy, got uh, blasted in the chest or in the face area, and that was it. <laughs> like, I don't know if that was designed. And I mean, if that was designed, then what the heck was that for? <laughs> no clue. That's uh, I did not catch that, so I'm gonna have to look for a highlight of that. Yeah, if you if you go to um, Twitter, just type in Jared Davis walk. You'll see it. <laughs> nice. I'm, I'm intrigued by that now. So I have a lot of things going through my mind. <laughs> All right. Well, we've got um, a lot of positive things to take away uh, from this past weekend. We're going to go ahead and take the first part to move into a uh, discussion about Michigan. So let's go ahead and move on into that. All right. Michigan facing off against the Scarlet Knights of Rutgers coming from the eastern shores of New Jersey. And um, they definitely took care of business this week as many people will say they righted the ship 
uh, with the final score of 52 to 0. It was nice to see the shutout. Uh, we'll get to a couple of voicemails here real quickly, but with our uh, predictions for the Michigan game specifically, let me share these few things. Uh, Michigan was favored by 27 and a half points, and they took care of that easily. Uh, we predicted otherwise, though. We both had Michigan winning, and, but not covering the spread. So we both went 50-50 there. I had 30-17. Brandon, you had 23-10. Mm-hmm. Um, for my college lock, I had Ohio State covering the 17.5 point spread over Nebraska. Easy. Uh, and then the other thing pertaining to the Michigan game was the question of the week, which is will Michigan score before Rutgers and easy enough to say since Rutgers didn't score at all, we were both correct by saying yes. Right. So I will share the uh, predictions that we have for Lions game when we get to that part of the show. Uh, let's go ahead and bounce over to we got two voicemails this week. So let's go ahead and give those a listen to hear what people were saying after the Rutgers game. Here we go. Hey, guys, this is Ray from Tampa. Um, haven't caught in the past couple of weeks just because I was a little uh, upset about the offense, defense, the team in general, and how they were playing and stuff like that. But um, we did have a very good game yesterday. Yes, people want to say, oh, that's Rutgers. But... That is how Michigan should have played against Middle Tennessee in this day. That's, that's how you're supposed to actually beat um, uh, the teams that you're supposed to beat. Now, I don't understand why when Michigan does this against Rutgers, people want to say, oh, it was just Rutgers, that's expected. But when other teams, Alabama, Oklahoma, you know, Ohio State, when they do the same thing, it's, oh, it's the greatest offense, it's the greatest team, blah, blah, blah. But um, the team as a whole looked good. The defense looked back to where they're at. And then um, having Gaddis on the sideline, it actually looked, you know, the offense looked like what we would hope that it would be from the start. Let's see what, what happens when we play Iowa next week. Uh, love the show. I keep listening. And go Blue. All right. Thanks so much, Ray, for calling in yet again. Hope things are going well as uh, we're able to kind of take in a sigh of relief that Michigan did look good on Saturday. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. A moment before we uh, listen to the second one, quick thoughts on Gaddis being on the sideline. What's your reaction to that, Brandon? Um, I didn't really get to watch too much of the game just because I don't have Big Ten Network. Um, I was able to watch clips and I was able to watch part of the third quarter, I believe. Um, I mean, just a little bit I saw, you know, it was nice to see a Michigan coach showing emotion again on the sideline. Uh, you know, he was out there, he was talking guys up. He, I saw him getting a little, um, argument with Harbaugh for a second, but yeah, I mean, he showed some, some fire and some intensity. You know, just stuff we haven't seen from him yet this year, and that that was a little refreshing. Yeah. I know what you're talking about with the Harbaugh thing, and some people are going back and forth on whether it was Harbaugh or the official that was next to Harbaugh. Either way, I don't care and don't think it's concerning whichever way it went. But No, I mean, that kind of stuff happens all the time, even if it was with Harbaugh. 
Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, it, I mean, not to say that everything hinged upon him being on the sideline, but if they are talking about leadership being an issue, whether it's just from the upperclassmen on the team or from the coaches themselves, uh, that definitely was a step in the right direction because he was active. He was talking to them all the time. He was able to communicate a lot better and he did bring that intensity. So not at all, in my opinion, that saying that that fixes everything. But if that is the the Band-Aid, the, um, uh, I don't know, the crutch or whatever they want to use moving forward to like at least get them steered in the right direction, it seems to potentially um, work out that way. We'll, of course, have to see as things go on with other opponents. But there were some positive highlights to see from that so uh we'll jump into our second voicemail then and uh hear what they have to say man y'all know who this is quit playing but for real um this is this is really not about the actual game because you know it's rough because y'all know how some people say no disrespect no all disrespect intended is rugged didn't really show me a lot they did what we anticipated them doing which is blowing their doors off I hate it for Chris Ash. He just got, I found out he got fired about 10 minutes ago. I mean, you know, they probably did him a favor because coaching Rutgers has to be stressful on your life. Anyway, I, w- I really want to get into some some things that, that should be happening. <clears throat> and hopefully we saw this trend um, not – it's a one-time thing, but continually. This is young guys playing. Now, because Jim Harbaugh has this 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 pet peeve, it seems like, um, when it comes to playing older guys, juniors and seniors, um, whatever. But I pull up a tweet. You know, Josh Rawls, Jordan Anthony, Cam McGrone, and Dak Hill, these guys should be starting. They're clearly better than the guys in front of them, clearly. And I don't want to hear about captains. I don't want to hear about experience. I don't want to hear about blood, sweat, and tears. It's about talent. I live in Alabama. You know, you get, like, their left tackle is probably going to be a top five pick in about two years. He's a true freshman, Evan Neal, out of IMG. You know, you got, you got to get guys ready. You have to. You have, and that's just one example. Now, now, no, no, no knocks on Devin Gill, Glasgow, Khalid Hudson, whatever. They're, 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 they're okay. I'm not, I'm not in college. I don't play football. I'm not going to knock. Their, their their passion for football. Khalid Hudson is not better than Cam McGrone. Period. Um, Devin Gill is not better than Jordan Anthony or Josh Ross. He's definitely not better than McGrone. <clears throat> Josh Metellus is not better than Daxon Hill. Period. Neither is, is Brad Hawkins. But you know what I'm saying? Like, these are fine athletes or what they will get in high school, but these guys in front of them or who, who are younger should be playing. And that's just the way it works. Like Vincent Gray, to me, he's better than Ambry Thomas. He's taller, but he's better, and he's younger. That's just, that's just. I mean, it is what it is. He's better than LaBert Hill. He's just better. So I'm hoping that the coaching staff is finally seeing the error of their ways and saying, you know what, let's just put the younger guys. I mean, we didn't see Ben Mason on D-tackle, thank God, because Monty Smith and Chris Henson are better. Now, they didn't start, but they're better. And I'm also glad that – um. Gaddis was on the sideline. I think that helped a lot. So we'll see where it goes from here. I think they'll beat Iowa. They'll be a top 17 team, hopefully. But, you know, 
I hope I hope the coaching staff continues to, to to follow this trend. Go blue. All right. Thank you, Stephen, for that. Uh, a lot of interesting stuff there, and actually. Um, talking about the other, uh, the younger players and everything playing, uh, very good point. Uh, it, it makes me thinking, especially when he ended with talking about Ben Mason. I understand, I understand that they moved him to the defensive line is like, okay, he's not going to be used as much on offense. So maybe he could be a backup defensive lineman, but he, in the first couple of games, he did a lot, you know? Yeah. So do you feel like Harbaugh does that where he is? I mean, I've never, I've never really thought that deep into it uh, where he seems to perhaps have a loyalty to older players and want to give them playing time, even though it might be to the detriment of the, of the team. Do you, what do you think of that? Uh, um, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. There's a lot of coaches that are like that who um, will stick with guys that have a little more experience and don't really like to play freshmen. Uh, there's even coaches in the NFL that don't really like to play rookies. Uh, first one that in my head in the NFL is Bruce Arians. I know that he, when he was coaching the Cardinals, he didn't really want to give David Johnson too much playing time, and it was obvious that he was better than, I think it was Tim Hightower or whatever they had at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was obvious that he was a lot better, but for whatever reason, Arians, he's reluctant to start freshmen. Or not freshmen, but rookies. And I, I think there's guys at college like that, too. Um, I've heard my dad say before that that Bo was a little bit that way. And, you know, that wouldn't surprise me because, you know, Harbaugh comes from a Bo coach team. And Harbaugh's a very old-school-style coach. So, um, you know, finding loyalty with you know some seniors and juniors and everything you know that that really wouldn't surprise me but you know i agree with what what steven said uh you know if you got guys that are talented throw them out there i don't care about um seniority i don't care about even you know captains you know your Mm -hmm. captains don't always have to be your your best players yeah they just have to they just have to have a leadership quality where they however they do, that they bring an element of leadership and they help with the team. Um, I agree with that, too. I, I haven't really sat down and thought about it, though, where maybe there is, I mean, yeah, maybe in a fleeting thought, you know, preferential treatment for upperclassmen and everything, but maybe to, because, uh, I mean, bringing up good points about the different underclassmen who have shown that they are at least capable of fighting for um, the starting position, if not looking evident that they should have the job um because then because a lot of the thing too that you know it different colleges different coaches have their different pitches for kids is it that uh, and of course i mean we're just speculating here but could it be the idea of hey we talk about getting these kids into the nfl if i don't play them when they're upperclassmen seniors about to graduate then that affects what they're where they're able to go and if they get drafted is that do you feel like that could be all added to the mix where it's just where there's almost that element where it kind of counteracts the idea of putting the best players in yeah i could see that too um with the nfl part um 
you know, and maybe some promises that, you know, coach might have made, at least even for like playing time. But I mean, at the end of the day, is is Harbaugh going to be kept around because he kept his promise to a guy, or is yeah. he going to be kept around because he won more games? Mm-hmm. You know, you gotta, <laughs> you know, like we, like when we watched uh, Back to School for our other ep- episode, it's like you gotta you gotta look out for number one and be careful not to step in number two. <laughs> <laughs> sound device, sound device. Um, yeah, no, I, I think it's very, uh, possible. I just, I guess I never really sat down to think about it too much in depth. Um, I mean, yeah, there, there are specific times where you see like one thing where it's just like, oh, well, I feel this player compared to this one, but to, to think of it as more of an overall mentality, um, I mean, heck, if they're talking about an issue with the mental toughness of the team and everything, and if there's, I mean, of course, players always feel like they want or deserve playing time, but if there is an evident, you know, schism or um, issue going on there where that's not happening when somebody, when multiple people maybe feel like somebody should be starting over someone else, I mean, that could be problematic, really Mm -hmm. problematic. So that's interesting to think about and watch moving forward. Um, Because, yeah, I'm definitely of the belief. And, you know, I mean, honestly, you shouldn't be. Who knows exactly what Harbaugh said or what what he's uh, specifically been doing because we're not there firsthand. But it's just kind of, you know, the best players need to go in because otherwise you're not setting up the team uh, to be successful. So interesting. Um, But... uh, yeah, a little bit here more that we'll share about the game, just some uh, thoughts and reactions. They did do what they needed to do. They dominated Rutgers. Um, the two couple things I'll take away from it in a uh, critique of it is that there was, like, it was the first or second quarter, I think it was, that they actually got pretty lucky. Uh, that Rutgers didn't actually put up any points because they had a really good drive going. But they were just picking the Michigan defense apart. Um, Rutgers was, which was not good because, as we all have been saying, it's Rutgers. It didn't finish with any points, but there were, I mean, again and again and again, we'll talk about crossing routes, um, kill the Michigan defense, and, you know, people can, Rutgers was able to make it look like it was relatively easy against Michigan's defense. So definitely a concern there. Uh, another thing that was disappointing, which, you know, you can't always guarantee anything with this, but it's just like, can we get to the point where there's a game without a turnover? You know? Right. So, I mean, they only had one. Shea Patterson, can't even remember the specific circumstance, but Shea threw one interception. So, but... That's uh, wishful thinking. What What are your some of uh, some of your initial thoughts from the game? Um, just you know, from what I saw, like Stephen mentioned, uh, Hill he played really well. Um, you got to see some of his speed and instincts really on show. Um, you know, and kind of like what he said with Hudson. You know, Hudson isn't. I don't think he's really our best option there at the you know, Don Brown's Viper position. Um, You know, that position, I feel like you need a guy with really good instincts and speed and athletic ability. And, you know, while his athletic ability might be high, like, his speed seems to be lacking 
from even like last year. And, you know, his instincts really aren't the best. And, you know, I think some of the other guys that came in and rotated in that defense showed, you know, that they might have some better instincts and athletic ability. Um, Along with that, like I mentioned with, you know, Gaddis on the sideline showing, you know, some fire and some passion that was, that was nice to see. Um, On the other side, you know, I know he scored 52 points, but watching some of the replays of some of the decisions that Patterson made, he still had some guys open Mm -hmm. down the field that he just, for whatever reason, didn't see. Yeah. And, you know, I'm starting to get to the point where I, you know, agree with some people that maybe he's not our best option. But to say that one of the other guys is our option, I, you know, I can't really say that I haven't seen enough. And it was like, goes back to a conversation I had with Craig last week is that, you know, we talk about how we have so much depth at quarterback, but we really don't know what we have with these other guys because they never get a chance to play. Yeah. Yeah. We don't really, we don't really know what we have with McCaffrey and especially Milton. Um, you know, because they really don't they don't bring him in in a lot of situations. You know, especially because we don't really blow too many people out. <laughs> yeah. Other than Rutgers every year. Yeah, McCaffrey uh, went in a little bit against um, Notre Dame last year and looked like he could hold his ground. But yeah, it was definitely not enough where you'd be like, "Oh, it's obviously him better than Patterson." Exactly. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's kind of what we were saying. It's just, you know, do we have somebody that would be better than Patterson running this offense? You know, I don't know. But for what I've seen, it's just I, it baffles me sometimes. His vision, I don't understand. Yeah, how he missed some of the, the receivers he's not seeing. His, uh, if you take his vision out of it, uh, seeing the open receivers, I mean, he's got a lot of things going for him. Um, mm-hmm. But there are those obvious issues where it's just like you know you're you're starting for a reason and you're missing some really blatant. Um, obvious decision making here so yeah that's kind of like would it be better to have a player who might not be efficient in other areas but be able to have the vision to be able to see those amazing opportunities like Nico Collins against Wisconsin Mm -hmm. uh, when his defender fell in different situations like that where you might miss some things but I'm still of the now he did not show it in this game but if um if your quarterback's not 100%, then you're just hurting yourself because it's limiting what he's going to decide to do with the ball. Yeah. Um, he, he didn't really show um, that like he had in previous games, but I don't know. I still kind of go back to that where it's just like, it, are things limited with Patterson because of being kind of banged up? Now, obviously, McCaffrey is no choice right now because he's still recovering so um i don't know i think that if there are enough concerns like if McCaffrey or if patterson is clearly missing things or making mistakes that it should not take that long to uh maybe experiment and put milton in um (laughs) to where it's always waiting until you're blowing out a team but i don't know i don't know anyways don't want to spend too much time on it because we do need to talk about the lines here in a moment. Um, one thing that I'll finish off with is I do 
Forget all the other teams. I don't care what people say about the other teams who blow other teams out. Um, Michigan did what they were supposed to against Rutgers. It's Rutgers, like Stephen was saying. Um, it, good for them. They needed something like this. Does this mean that they're back on track? Absolutely not. It means nothing because it was Rutgers. Um, a team should not be defined by how they play against weaker opponents. They shouldn't. Like That is what Michigan... Right has been defined by for I don't even know how long. If you look back, I mean, from the early 2000s, Michigan has only really been known to beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. And the teams that they're not supposed to beat, every once in a while, they'll win, but it won't be a large margin of victory most of the time. Mm -hmm. So Michigan does not have a really good rapport in that way. So... I could care less how they do about Rutgers. I mean, yeah, you want it to look all right, but show me how Michigan can play against Notre Dame, Michigan State, Ohio State, even Iowa this weekend. You know, they they need to play against somebody good and prove to people that the Wolverines are actually good. So uh, I think that's that's kind of enough to talk about uh from my end i mean i could go through stats and talk to you guys about that but i think it was just kind of a general breakdown because we've gone quite a while on this is there anything you want to talk about before we uh switch gears no that was pretty much all i had like i said i wasn't able to watch too much of the game um you know basically all i saw was highlights and you know the box score and all that kind of stuff yeah so um yeah sometimes we talk about stats but if you guys want to check those out um dig into it uh, online there and you can see some of that stuff. We're going to make sure that we have enough time here to move into the lines then. All right. Your Detroit Lions... We will uh, discuss their first loss of the season. Uh, heartbreaker, thirty-four to thirty, they fell to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, but quickly to go through is the uh, predictions that we had. Um, we both predicted the Chiefs winning. Uh, it was the Lions plus seven, and uh, Brandon, you had thirty-five seventeen. I had 38 to 20. Um, so we both were correct with the outcome, but not so much about the uh, spread or the over under. Uh, and then Brandon, your NFL um, spread was the Ravens to cover negative seven versus the Browns, which was not quite the case. But I think almost maybe most shockingly of all is your question of the week was how many touchdown passes was Mahomes going to throw and the final verdict was zero shocking verdict yeah <laughs> so uh, you had three I had four we were way off and I think uh, mm-hmm. a couple of reactions we had were people saying three so um, at the end of the day with the predictions for both games Brandon you now sit at 12 I sit at 14 so just an update on that um, but I will go ahead and hand things over to you, Brandon, to talk about the lines. All right. 
Um, yeah, even though it was a loss, um, I was, you know, fairly positive feeling, I guess, optimistic after the game. Um, you know, because neither one of us thought that the Lions would even come close to winning this game. And, you know, they had the lead for a little while until, you know, right towards the end where Kansas City drove down, scored a touchdown. But, you know, the Lions came out there, they held their own. They did a lot of things pretty well. Um, for the most part, Matthew Stafford played pretty well. He threw uh, 291 yards and three touchdowns. He did have a fumble inside the 10-yard line, which came back and kind of hurt the team. Uh, it wasn't a wasn't a very wasn't a very good fumble. I mean, none of them are good, but it was definitely not a good looking one. Uh, along with Stafford playing well, he had carry on Johnson. He ran the ball great. He had 125 yards on the ground. He also fumbled inside the 10 yard line, which that was bad. Was which was a call, which was a a play that a lot of people were talking about on Twitter afterwards. Basically, he fumbled it. Um, the ball was down on the ground. A chief came, knelt down, picked the ball up, and then ran all the way for a touchdown, pretty much untouched. Mm-hmm. And it was a weird play. Like everybody thought the ball was dead. And yeah, it was just kind of a thing that would only happen on a Lions game. Yeah. Well, they even said how a week or two ago, the same thing, the same crew did that against the Saints but they blew it dead and they screwed it up. So of course they wind up fixing it and getting it right when it's something that hurts the line. <laughs> Always. Um, you know, like we mentioned Mahomes, he didn't throw a touchdown and you know what? He really didn't need to. Uh, he was able to drive the, the chiefs down the field. Uh, the chiefs running backs came up big and, uh, you know, obviously that one defensive touchdown, uh, like I said, you know, the Lions played that game about as well as you could on every side of the ball. The defense showed up. They were missing Darius Slay, and then Quandre Diggs actually got hurt. He, he ended up getting a hamstring injury, so both him and Slay were out. You know, so they had to rotate in some rookies and some guys don't really play too often, and they did great. Uh, the Lions were actually able to put a pass rush together, which, you know, has been kind of hit and miss this year Mahomes faced a lot of pressure the only problem is is that Mahomes is he's a pretty mobile guy so he was able to scramble a few times for first downs which you know it's always frustrating but you know you have to kind of expect it every once in a while it's very difficult to defend against a mobile quarterback in the NFL yeah I knew he was going to do it on that fourth down oh yeah so <laughs> I, I I totally saw it coming yeah, uh, just... like we mentioned earlier in the episode with your rock moment, is that uh, Justin Coleman he played great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually saw some grades from a beat writer, and he gave Coleman an A plus. You know, I totally agree. Um, Mahomes would have had a passing touchdown. He threw one to Watkins, who had it. He took like a half a step, and Coleman was right there to punch the ball out. Yeah. So you know, resulted in an incomplete. Uh, big play. He punched the ball on on Watkins again, and the Lions were able to recover that one. Uh, he almost had the game clinching interception as well. I don't know if you saw that. He uh, jumped up and kind of swatted it away, but he had his hands on it. 
Yeah. And he kind of brought it down a little bit, and it bounced like off his stomach, mm-hmm. and, and he dropped it, and that would have sealed the game, I think. Um, you know, still a great play to be able to get his hands on the ball and you know keep it away from the receiver. But yeah, I mean, he really stepped up this week, and it was it was great to see. And you know, the last thing I got here is that J.D. McKissick was a complete steal in free agency. Yeah, he was impressive. That guy, he he's one of those people that, like, once he gets the ball, you just kind of hold your breath because you don't really know, you know, he could take it to the house or he could, you know, he, he could end up going for, you know, like a loss of yardage, but you just, you never know what's going to happen when that guy gets the ball in his hands. And someone on Twitter made a good point is that J.D. McKissick is exactly what we thought Theo Riddick was going to be. Yeah, yeah. He's he's got great moves. He's got great. He's way better speed than Riddick. Um, you know, he stays, stays healthy. He can make guys miss. Um, yeah, just an electrifying player. And to think that the Seahawks cut him at the end of preseason, and he was just sitting there, and the Lions grabbed him. That was that was just a great steal. Yeah, which the Lions don't do very often. <laughs> yeah, not too much. <laughs> uh, did you have any anything to talk about? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it was, you, you can feel different about the lines. Like now, uh, it's actually going to the bye week. Uh, interestingly enough, you mm-hmm. feel like I feel like the lines can take control of the NFC North. Um, they have shown that they're capable of doing that. Now, the only question is, can they be consistent enough to do it? Um, even working through their injuries and everything and what they showed on Sunday was so surprising to me. Um, I'm optimistic. I am mildly optimistic because it's just kind of like, okay, I mean, the lines often go on streaks. So mm-hmm. let's see this carry through. Uh, am I super upset about the loss? No. It sucked that the Lions scored so quickly. Um, at the end there, it sucked that um, the whole fumble return for a touchdown thing happened. It didn't even turn into, um, you know, just getting down in the end zone. That that was tragic because then most likely the Lions would have won. So, uh, yeah, it's unfortunate, but honestly, it there could have been worse situations. Because, I mean, this isn't like college football where – one loss could keep you out of the college football playoff. This is a non-division game. They played really good. They learned some stuff about them. Um, so, yeah, just watch them moving forward. All they have to do is win their division, and then they go into the postseason. So, Yeah, and actually watching this game, I, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic as well. And, you know, from what I've seen from the other teams in the NFC North, I think the Lions are just as good as what, you know, the Packers and the Bears are. Yeah. Um, the hardest part is going to be dealing with that Bears defense, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Vikings, the Vikings also have a good defense, but their passing game hasn't been there. And, you know, they like to run the ball, which just kind of plays into the Lions' hands. Yeah. Because the Lions are pretty decent against the run. So, um, yeah. like I said, that Bears defense, you know, you know, anything that, that hurts, uh, the Lions' chances of, you know, taking a division. But, you know, after Sunday, I, I feel a little optimistic about it. Yeah. Um, with, 
with them being yeah. able to do that shorthanded too. I mean, they were down Amendola. They didn't have Slay. You talked about Diggs uh, being out part of it. And then even Hawkinson went down. So the fact that they're able to, and I know there were more on top of that, but the fact that they're able to do that well without having everybody on deck. Yeah, and they never really truly said what happened to Hawkinson. I heard concussion, but then um, Adam Schefter posted something kind of interesting. He said that the Lions will not put Hawkinson on injured reserve, which was confusing to me because, you know, usually concussions don't last that long. You know, a couple weeks, the guy comes back, he's out of the protocol, and he's good to go. Um, so I don't know if there's something else going on with that because I know they were checking out his shoulder because he landed on that shoulder kind of funny. Um, do, you, do you think maybe they want to buy some time since they have the bye week to work with? I think maybe because when he landed, he took a lot of that force on his shoulder. And yeah. I thought maybe he dislocated his shoulder or something. My dad initially thought maybe he broke his collarbone. Mm. He's like usually when go, guys go down on a big heap like that, um, it's a collarbone thing. But you know, they're, let's get to the point now where if a guy breaks his collarbone, you can usually come back. Oh. So you know, I'm, I'm interested to see what it is. I hope it's just a concussion, not a concussion and a collarbone or a you know a shoulder injury. But we'll have to wait and see. And, you know, the last thing I'll say is that, yes, there was some terrible calls during the game. We all know it. Um, you know, some that brought back points, some that, you know, in that Hail Mary, there's a, a pass interference that was pretty obvious. Um, you know, just some other things, too, that were quite bad. But like I said on Twitter, like, I'm not blaming the refs for this game. Like, I feel like this, you know, the Lions played really well. But in the end... I think the reason they lost, you know, they had those two turnovers, yeah, those two fumbles inside the 10-yard line. One of them, which was returned for a touchdown, like if you don't, you can't put yourself in a situation where a bad call completely changes the outcome of the game. And yeah. the Lions consistently do that, mm-hmm. you know, whether they play good or not. Um, and, man, I just get tired of it. People with their Detroit versus everybody, and oh, the league is against us. The announcers are biased. The the announcers weren't biased, guys. <laughs> you might be locking in on that because you know you're you're only hearing all the stuff that they say bad about bad about the Lions or good about Kansas City. Um, and yeah, you know what? They did talk about Mahomes a lot, but Mahomes is a superstar player. Mm-hmm. The NFL has oh. always been based around superstars. Well, here's one thing that I want to make sure to get in here before we're done. Do you think watching watching the game, do you feel like Mahomes was uh disrupted by the Lions defense or do you feel like Mahomes was just having an off game? I think it might have been a little bit of both. Yeah. Um the Lions did the Lions pass rush did affect him. And, you know, just their coverage in general. Um, you know, without Tyreek Hill being there, they were able to, the Lions were able to double-team uh, Kelsey. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that kind of took him out of the equation. 
So, you know, I had to go look towards guys like Watkins or uh, Nicole Hardman. And, you know, the Lions were able to pretty much shut those guys down as well. So, you know, I think a lot of it was, you know, maybe the coverage and everything and Mahomes trying to make things happen with his feet and, you know, just getting flushed out of the pocket consistently by the Lions. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, anything else or? No, I don't think so. Other than, you know, I was just getting tired of seeing everybody blaming the referees. And, you know, I always come back to, you know, you had two turnovers inside the, the 10 yard line. I blame you. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, well, I blame you as well. So, well, even so. still, like if they didn't have those two turnovers, if even just one of those turned into a field goal, they could have just attempted a field goal instead of having to go for the Hail Mary at the end. Mm-hmm. So, yep, a, a lot of different things going into that. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, cautiously optimistic. So, I think. We'll end there with that. Um, oddly enough, with a win for Michigan and a loss for Detroit, feeling pretty good after the weekend. Yeah, same here. So we will. Uh, we appreciate you all tuning in. Uh, as always, we hope that uh, you guys have a good week. And uh, no lines coming up this weekend, but we do have a Michigan preview coming out later this week. So stay tuned, and we will catch you later. Until then, go blue. Go blue.